One, two, three, four, I'm testing. When I was a little girl in Indianapolis, sitting on doctor's porches with post-on pre-debs, wondering would my aunt drag me to church Sunday, I was meaningless, and I wondered if life would give me a chance to mean. I found a new life in the withdrawal from all things not like my image. When I was a teenager, I used to sit on, on front porch steps conversing the gym teacher's son with embryonic eyes about the essential essence of the universe, recognizing the basic powerlessness of me. But then I went to college where I learned that just because everything I was was unreal, I could be real, and not just real through withdrawal into emotional crosshairs or colored bourgeois intellectual pretensions, but from involvement with things approaching reality, I could possibly have a life. So catatonic emotions and time-wasting sex games were replaced with functioning commitments to logic and necessity, and the gray area was slowly darkened into a black thing. For a while, progress was made, along with a certain degree of happiness, because I wrote a book and found a love and organized a theater and even gave some lessons, some lectures on black history and began to believe all good people could get together and win without bloodshed. Then Hamishko was killed and Lumumba was killed and Diem was killed and Kennedy was killed and Malcolm was killed and Evers was killed and Swerner, Cheney and Goodman were killed and Luizio was killed, and Stokely fled the country, and Leroy was arrested, and Rapp was arrested, and Pollard, Thompson, and Cooper were killed, and King was killed, and Kennedy was killed. And sometimes I wonder why I didn't become a debutante, sitting on doctor's porches, going to church all the time, wondering, is my eye makeup on straight? Or withdrawn, discoursing on the stars and the moon, instead of a for real black person who must now feel and inflict pain. Pintar, si pintas con amor, porque desprecias su color, si sabes que en el cielo también los quiere de sangre de alcoba si tienes alma en el cuerpo porque al pintor en tus cuadros te olvidaste los negros siempre que vintas y vintas en iglesias pintas anhelitos
Yo, what's cracking, my people? Welcome to yet another episode of ADQ's Renaissance. I'm your host with the most, keeping 100 from coast to coast. Through God, I boast. A. D. Q. It is. It is Wednesday, December the 25th. I. I mean, <laughs> November 25th. 2020 that's right it is actually a full month before you know jesus fictional birthday you know what i'm saying um 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 it's your boy live back from atlanta y'all i was in atlanta welcome to atlanta where the players play blue crap when i was in atlanta i was saddened with what i saw when I was in atlanta what i saw was a big freaking hood i saw the most Disgusting is the most disgusting is looking Walgreens I've ever seen in my entire life. But anyway, for all of you, for all of you who have Thanksgiving plans, for all of you who have Thanksgiving plans, please, please, um, don't get bloated. Um, that's been my experience you know i got bloated from thanksgiving and now that's why that's why i'm uh over here operating off of uh cp time because you know i've been in the gym trying to work out my bloatedness so anyway i ain't gonna be riffing too daggone long because today we have a guest with us we have an incredible guest with us well we have a guest with us every day but they're going this time this guest you know what i'm saying this lady every time i am around this lady i i'm telling you she's float she's floating you know what i'm saying she's floating this lady you want to salute her not because of her artistic not only because of her artistry not only because of her uh of the worldly beauty but because she actually served in the military you know what i'm saying um but I'm not going to tell too much of her story. I'm going to let her tell it. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to ADQ's Renaissance Queen, the Queen, Miss Lavinia, Missy Jackson. Lavinia, what's up? Hey, how are you? I'm blessed, black, and highly favored in these streets. How are you? I am wonderful, grateful, and honored to be on this here podcast with you. You know, on the day before, we, uh, supposed to not gather with family and friends and eat and the day before we ain't supposed to get bloated like you said but most of us are um you know i'm good you know um you know the re, the re this is the reason why um me and my rebel mindset i don't really partake in thanksgiving because i'm like yo i do thanksgiving every day i'm thanking god for my blessings every day you know what i'm saying well, absolutely. Um, I think for, and I made a post about this, I believe yesterday, that Thanksgiving has evolved for many of us away from its original historic con, you know, concepts. Now, in the midst of that, I am going to say that I stand in solidarity with our indigenous brothers and sisters, that this is not a day of thanks for them. Um, and though that's in my blood, but we as people, as humans often, you know, take something and turn it into another thing, especially black folks. You know what I'm saying? Like we take it and we make it into something else. And we have made it a day of family gathering, of celebrating, of giving thanks greater than we have 
during the year. And it's not to say that we don't do it every day, but this is something bigger. And lots of times we cook with like extra love during this time. We feed people that we don't ordinarily see. So it's it's bigger than your daily gratitude. So that's the way I look at it. That's a good way of looking at it. And I also stand in, uh, stand in solidarity with our indigenous brothers and sisters as well, seeing as how I, I actually am, spoiler alert, uh, you know how a lot would say uh, I got a little bit of Indian in my blood and stuff. Yeah. Well, I th- well according to my grandmother, which if you saw my grandmother, you can see this. You can see this fully. Both both of my grandmothers actually. Um, I do have a large number of indigenous uh, in my blood, Cherokee and Seminole. Okay. So, so I'm sitting here. So I'm sitting here like, um. I know how I know how this day, how this day in its existence came to be. I mean, we can like gloss it over with uh, like we do other holidays, you know. Like I said, Jesus' fictional birth. But you know, uh, like you say, you, that's one way to look at it. You know, uh, put a little extra loving in, the, put a little, put a little extra loving in the oven for people who don't come over uh, often. Right, and I mean, you know, just like you, I um. I have indigenous blood like most people um, on this continent, especially black folks. And if you understand the history of how, you know, indigenous folks from one continent got together with indigenous folks from another continent for uprisings and riots and and such, you know that, you know, that's who we are. Um, So you can be sad um, and you can mourn and you can weep on one hand and you can feel conflicted about buying a turkey because I ain't buying anyone this year. Um, you can feel conflicted about that. But at the same time, what is Thanksgiving for you? I'm not here to judge, but what is it for you? And whatever that is, is okay by me. I know I ain't like everybody else. I'm Again, I'm not one to judge what you choose. Just stand in your practice, whatever that is. You know what I'm saying? Stand in that. Be okay with one year maybe you're feeling sad because you're feeling the the spirits of the Seminole and the Cherokee rise up in you you know and be okay the next year when you pretending like you cooking mac and cheese uh keyword pretending I cannot cook I said pretending on purpose and mac and cheese ain't hard trust you know a little water a little milk and whatnot um but yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, different shows for different folks, right? Absolutely. Now, Lavinia, uh, you are a pillar of our community uh, here in Greensboro. Like, um, I know that you're you're originally from Illinois, right? No, I'm not originally from Illinois. What? Okay. okay. So, so, I'll give you the story about where you get the Illinois part. I am from a small town called Tappahannock, Virginia. If you are familiar with Chris Breezy, he's actually not from the town. He's from Battery, or Battery as we say, which is about 15 miles away from my hometown. So the name of the town, and I can spell it, is T-A-P-P-A-H-A-N-N-O-C-K. And we are on the Rappahannock River. So that's where I grew up, that's where I'm from. Like, born and bred, whole nine. My father, and his side of the family are from the Chicagoland area. 
So I go up there to visit them. Um, and that's where you get Illinois from. And when I went up there to get the award and stuff, I was in Chicago, one of the awards. So that's where you get the Illinois part. Like, you know, that's my dad's side versus my mom's side. But my hometown, I think we got nine traffic lights about now. I think maybe, I don't know. But we got the, the biggest Walmart for, for 45 miles, trust and believe. Oh my goodness, that sounds like my hometown, Shelby. No, Shelby bigger than it. How you know? Cause I done been through Shelby. Shelby bigger, big, Shelby bigger than Tappahannock. Tappahannock is literally like you blink and you miss it. We got one McDonald's, one Burger King, one Sheets. You don't need to eat the KFC cause they high and they don't know they chicken parts. Right, like it, right. Right, like this was a real conversation. Yeah, I'm right here. <laughs> right, so you know, we got one, we got two. Well, we have three pizza joints, but only one of them you really need to go to, and that's the and that's all within a mile. Ain't no more pizza joints for like, let me think. Oh, Jesus, a good 30 miles. Dang, right, so that's what I'm saying. It ain't like being in Shelby because Shelby's a little closer to, to something else. We ain't got nothing. Sound like y'all have absolutely nothing. Yeah, we we forty we sixty miles from Richmond, fifty five miles from Fredericksburg, two hours from from DC. Um, let's see, it's four four it's four hours from here. I've done it. It's four hours flat. Uh, all my fellow Shelby people, take a bow because we are bigger than tap to tap a tap water. What's it called? <laughs> Water tap tap but that sounds like the name that sounds like the name of a Mark Twain novel. I mean it could have been. It could have been. We don't have a whole lot of famous people coming out of Tappahannock. There was a blues dude. You, but I ain't as big as Chris though. Chris is like one of the biggest things that's come out of Tappahannock. Well, um, just let also just let you know, I made it possible for you to share, so you can share this on your page if you want, if you like. And also, um, also, so tell me this, tell me this. Let's go, let's 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 go further. For uh, let's go, uh, tap a tap. A, your hometown is where it starts. Yeah. Let's go into military. What's it? Uh, what you served in the military, right? Yeah. Okay. So. This has to do with Tappahannock too. So okay. I was uh, recently divorced, um, former military spouse, because my first husband was in the Marine Corps at the time, um, and I needed a job. So I went back to my high school, which is St. Margaret's School, an all girls, basically all white high school uh, in Tappahannock, of which I was the first African-American to go there for all five years and graduate. And I'm still the first to go back, first black alum to go back and teach. Um, so, right. So while I was there teaching, my students encouraged me because they knew I, wa I wasn't happy and the administration wasn't being really there. So they're like, follow your dreams. Do what you need to do to take care of Tyler. And these are all young girls. These are all like 13, 14, 15 year old girls that are encouraging me, my students, to go into the service. So I met with the Marine Corps recruiter who became, um, who was now like an attorney in Virginia and he just won his election. 
Um, shout outs to him. Um, and he and I had a long conversation about the Marine Corps and if I could do it. Cause like I said, my first husband was in the Marines. I was really big on the Marine Corps. And then they showed, then he showed me the videotape of what's called a crucible. Now, mind you, I said videotape cause this was a serious VHS that we popped in. And I was like, oh hell to the no. <laughs> I'm not putting my body through that kind of cruelty um, for service. Even though I passed the test, I did, I did well. Right. Um, so I checked out who had the shortest boot camp. I didn't want to be in the army because I met, I knew too many motherfuckers in there. Motherfuckers from my hometown, that is. Like, I knew too many people. And I don't know if Shelby is like this, but small town is either you going to go to work, like at a factory, drive trucks, or you going into service. Like, you ain't yeah. got no choice. Right, so everybody, like a lot of us in, in, in that age range were like, all right, well, what are we gonna do? So I went into the Coast Guard because it had the shortest boot camp. That was really my motivation. And I, I went in. in okay, so I went in like three days after my oldest daughter, who just turned 24, um, turned two. And it, mm, I hate Cape May. It's a beautiful town, but Cape May is at the tip of New Jersey, the bottom end of New Jersey. Ain't no trees. Ain't no nothing between me and the Atlantic Ocean in November, December, and January. I don't know what I was thinking, but- Behind uh, uh, Cape May, where are these towns? Yeah, so, yeah, so Cape May, yes, I'm, I'm a water baby, so, you know, so I went in, um, it took multiple recruiters to get me through because I was, you know, I was young, single parent, divorced. I was like, I can't do this. Um, so they got me through. When I got down range, which is, I went to go shoot, we had to march. It took two instructors because I had never fired a weapon at all before then. Um, so they were both in my ears, calming me down, talking me through it. And you speak of swimming, I could swim before I went into the Coast Guard. Mm -hmm. But I swam on the bottom of the water. I ain't swim on the top. I ain't learned right. I ain't learned how to do that. Like I went to swimming lessons and then I watched and then I just swam on the bottom of the water. And then Coast Guard, you know, they want you to swim like Olympic style. And I was like, what is that? I don't know how to do that. So I was in swim every day and working out every day. So I went from 102, 105 to 126. And all of that was muscle weight. Um, and I passed my swim test the day I graduated with icicles on my head. And right, like for real, I passed that swim test that morning because it was so cold outside. And the instructors, just to get give you some, some, some context, the, the Coast Guard is the smallest and the whitest service you could ever be in. We had the blackest company to, the, to date. Like, it was like almost a hundred black folks. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's like five or seven white people. Like, we was black. So we was we was pimp walking when we was, you know, doing road marches. Trust. We had, we, we, we fell on that beat. We fell on that beat. But- and Lavinia Jackson, bow, boom, bow. Right. That was, no, that was, that was all them. I was just writing cadences, but they told me that they believed 
that my bones were denser than white people's bones. That's the reason why I can't swim. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm gonna say it again. They told me in 1998 that they believed my bones, my 105, 100, 105 pound bones were denser. So that's the reason why I would sink in the water, why I can't swim. The de hell no. I'm about to say the devil is alive, but hell no. That's not it. Both phrases apply to this uh, right. circumstance. Right. So that so the racism began, or the you know, enduring the racism, a whole nother level, began when I was in boot camp and I made a, a conscious choice to take care of my daughter, being from a small town and also not having certifications to teach. So I had to like look at what I was doing and I was like, I need a job now. I don't, I don't, mm -mm, mm -mm. and I needed housing and I needed a whole bunch of stuff. So I traded, um, I traded and I, I chose to endure ridiculous amounts of racism uh, and, 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 and physical issues in order for one to have lifetime healthcare. Like that was important to me um, because I do have lifetime health care as a veteran. Um, and two, to be able to provide for my, my children um, under that, you know what I'm saying, to make sure that they were able, I was able to at least do that. You know what I'm saying? So that was how I got into the service. And I was stationed, my first duty station was in Boston. Um, and that's where I was raped. And then my second duty station was in Elizabeth City where I got out after the birth of my third child. Um, who has osteogenesis imperfecta. That's the synopsis of the service. So, first of all, I apologize that the, that the raping happened. It's all right. I mean, um, uh, I don't know what year it was in. 90, let's see. Tori was born in 2001, so it's been the year 2000. Okay, so I was 15 at the time, so I was big enough to whoop the guy's butt. If I would have been there by that, that's exactly what I, what I would have done. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Hey, well, we got to look out for our queens. You know what I'm saying? Y'all can look out for yourselves, but, you know, uh, us looking out for y'all puts a little butt on the toes. Right, uh, right. So when, 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 when... When you remind me that you were in that you were in service in the military and stuff, that surprises me and stuff because the Lavinia that I know at this particular current day, forgive me if I forgive me if I'm sounding assumptive, but nothing about you says military because you have too much of a somewhat of a rebellious, outspoken. I can't picture someone saying. I can't picture some some white dude, some black dude yell up in your face and stuff. But uh and you stand there taking it, right? Um <laughs> oh, I got in trouble. You don't even understand. I got in trouble for asking. Give us a story. Just a couple stories. Come on. So after I first got in, um, I made friends with my second daughter's father. He was um we became friends before we, we got involved and he was like, yo, it's a game. And I was like, what you mean? He goes like, no, you just gotta learn how to play the game. And I was like, nah, um, he goes, no, you just asking too many questions. I said, but it don't make no damn sense. 
so I would ask my, you know, senior officers and they'd be like, no. I'm like, no, nah, this, why are you making me do this? This is dumb. And they were like, because this is the way you do things. And I was like, but it's redundant. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. And then they broke it down to me as such. Your average person that comes into the military is eight, is an 18 year old high school graduate. They literally don't have the life skills to be able to carry out orders. They don't know how to think. So the military is set up and designed to train you to think a certain kind of way and to a certain degree. Me, I already knew how to think. So half the shit you telling me to do, I'm like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, heard right. of before. Right, right, and so I'm like, trying to improve so there was a um when i was in boston i noticed that even though we lived off of you know little italy and it was really racist there was you know there was nothing celebrating diversity all we did was do martin Luther king day now i had experience right okay i had experience previously in college um doing programming. So I had built programs from the ground up with no money, celebrating diversity. Like it's not a big deal to me. So I went around and said, hey, how about we be more inclusive and celebrate diversity? They said, yeah, if you can do it for no money. I said, all right, bet. So I went out, I, I, I got all this stuff. I did all this. These people took my idea which I did for almost every culture that I could think of that needed to be represented, that I saw in the people that were my fellow shipmates. I worked with the, with the galley. They were cooking special meals. We had speakers come in for free. I ain't get paid for this, but for free. So they took this idea and they still continue to do it. You know who didn't get credit? Me. Uh, the black girl from Tampa, 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 Tampa. T-Town. You can say it. You can say T-Town. Um, yeah, they, they took it from me. And I was like, I'm too smart for this. And I, I also got in trouble when I was standing duty or standing watch because they make, make us sit in front of the gym and watch people work out. I could care less about watching a bunch of dudes work out, for real. It does nothing for me, especially when I'm serving next to you. I'm not looking at you like that. I'm just looking up to make sure that you ain't hurting nobody and ain't nobody getting in a fight. So I zoned out and I was in there on duty for my four or six hours writing poetry because I could care less. And they were like, you can't do that. I was like, why? These are all grown people. They don't need me to watch them. And they were like, no, you're supposed to watch them. I was like, for what? I'm looking up every 10 minutes, every 15 minutes I'm looking up. Ain't nobody dead. What is they doing? And I got to go behind them and wipe down the equipment. They ain't stole nothing. But again, this is logic. This is somebody who thinks for themselves and gives credit to other adult human beings who are my age or older to be able to carry themselves accordingly. The military does not make that assumption. You always need to be told, you always need to be watched. And I got in trouble for being smart. That usually happens. 
yeah that's why you know that's that's not the only reason but i'm glad that you know i was a i got out when i did because there was no way there was um, no so apparently so apparently all throughout the military and the fact that i met you at a black lives matter rally also i actually met the founders of black lives matter at that same rally at Guilford yep. college yep so so what I want to know is when did this conscious, rebellious, outspoken young lady that you that you are and have been your entire 22 years on this earth? Okay, I was waiting for a snicker. Anyway, when, you can give me 22. I'm, I mean, I'm gonna take it. I smiled. See, this time I took the compliment. Okay, okay, I took it. Finally, a 70s baby that knows how to take a compliment. Anywho. Where did this radical nature that is about that that is you begin? Because seeing as how at, seeing as how that you are a black woman, uh, if you don't mind me throwing a couple throwing a generalization up in there, seeing as how you're a black woman from Virginia, I'm going to assume that you grew up in a very conservative Christian household, right? Okay, so this is a real interesting part of my life, and this is where it comes back to my my dad versus my mom. Um, so you're you're pretty on point. Um, my family, my mom's family, we come from a family of educators. We have been educated since my great grandmother, I think, who went to my great great grandparents. My great grandparents met at John C. Smith. Okay, so that's where they met. So they they were educated. Then my grandmother went to Virginia State um, to be a teacher. My mother was a teacher so we some educated folks so most people would call us sadiddy um like at, yeah right as a family but you'll have to understand that everybody around me for the most part when i was growing up was a teacher they were close friends with my my, my grandmother and my mother were teachers she didn't they didn't have friends that didn't really go to college <laughs> like it wasn't so everybody i saw was highly educated i'm racking my brain right now asking myself when when in the time that i've known Levine has she ever been sedity i can't find anything but please continue right so there was so in that we were, we were still black but we weren't like black power black Okay, we were still black. Like I learned a lot of black history from W.B. Du Bois and all that from, we had this thing called the Negro Encyclopedia. We had a, a whole bunch of black history books and I used to color on the floor and these huge, I mean, they were bigger than me coloring books with black people in them, like black heroes. So, and so I learned that part of black history. But my father, was as close to getting to being a panther as 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 you could be he wasn't actually a panther that i know of but my daddy was my daddy is blackity black black he founded the black expo the indiana black expo you know which is the precursor to what we do now which is where we have like the small the small black markets you know what i'm saying but this is he, he started that in indiana years ago because he all about black folks he don't like white people. And he will tell you that. He was unapologetic about disliking white people. And so, and he he was the one who said that I was gonna be like Nikki Giovanni. 
uh, when I was young. Like I can see that. Yeah, like right, like when I was young, when I started writing poetry and stuff, he's like, "You gonna be like that's my Nikki Giovanni," and I was like, "Oh, word!" So I began the 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 break um, from traditional, more conservative values when I transitioned to my private high school. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it was my eighth grade year. If it, if not, it was my ninth grade year when I met James Farmer. And this is really significant to me. Yes. Because he lived, he, he lived in Fredericksburg. Okay. And I didn't know who he was. It didn't dawn on me. Um, the person from the civil rights that I knew was my cousin's grandfather, who was Curtis West Harris, who had marched with Martin. Like I knew him. I didn't know about James Farmer. So I met James Farmer. He sat me down because I was the only little black person in there. And I sat next to him you know, the whole time. Like he pulled me up front, making sure that I sat next to him. And he told me, he goes, yeah, you, yeah, you got something else on your life. You know, he, he, he basically let me know that I'm gonna do things a little different. And then I began reading some other things, um, just reading a lot and, you know, finding out about, you know, why we practice, you know, religion the way we do. And then I started asking a whole bunch of questions. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Why are you so white about this? You know, and I and I went through an identity crisis attending an all-white school for a while because I tried to be white. Didn't work. Um, but that's a whole other story. So in reconciling with who I am, I became far more rebellious and sort of working to bridge, you, you know, how I can use my privilege as a light-skinned black woman to open doors, to blaze trails, to, you know, what can I do to help my folks? Like that's always been me. I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm I mean, I'm black and I'm blacker than black, but I also know my privilege and I know what this can do. And I, you know what I'm saying? And I know what my degree, you know, that opens doors with white folks. You know what I'm saying? Like just the name of the degree opens doors with white folks. So I'm just like, well, how can I be in the room? And they find me palatable. They like me. And then I can be like, yeah, hi. Uh-huh. Okay. Really? So I don't think you're really understanding. I think we can try to navigate these things a little different. Okay. Yeah. You're. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, but you're totally looking like a mixed girl right now. Um. Yes. See. See. I can totally do that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, really. I can go from. And you have the and you have had the nerve when I saw you on Black Girl Majestic. You had the nerve to say that you're not an actress. Boo crap. Okay, so you're gonna talk about acting. I will say that I am not an actress because I've seen people that have done, you know, whom I deem a real actress. I haven't been on stage in, in years, but I did, I, I was in a, a comedy, I did comedies, tragedies and musicals for five years, you know, all during high school. Oh, you one of us, deal I, with it. I mean, but 
I am a national thespian, but I don't bring that up. Well, when you're an actual, when you're a th- when you're a thespian yourself, you 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 know your tribe when you see them. <laughs> but as far as the whole, as far as the whole light skin privilege thing, yo, we talked about we talked about this. Um, I remember, and I'm sharing it publicly. You know, people who are watching this, who will watch it here, whatever. Anyway, <clears throat> the other night I was hanging out with my cousin. My little cousin, whom I love like a sister, she is my, she is my sister. Um, just spent, uh, just spent a few days hanging out with her, um, in Pete in uh, Georgia. Okay. She is basically the same, the same complexion as you are, if okay. not lighter. Okay. And it was that, it was then when I decided that it's time to kill a very bad habit of mine, and that is making light skin, dark skin jokes. Okay. You, you got on me about that years ago when I had when I had less body fat and less hair <laughs> and less age. <laughs> yeah. I took, I took it wrong because I thought you were like busting at me, but you in your own passionate way. I mean, we artists, we're very passionate about when we when we have a point to make. Um, <clears throat> there, uh. And I realized, and I realized from hearing what my cousin said, and reflecting on um, our com- our conversation about that, I have been feeding into the problem of colorism because I'm pretty sure that a lot of people who are that well, I don't know if a lot of people do it, but people who are of my hue have somewhat, in some form, in some form of fashion, delegitimized your blackness, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, I mean, but it's par for the course. And what I, what I mean by that is understanding that we all participate in this system, whether we are conscious of it or not. You know, the divide and conquer, the, the, the light versus dark, you know, racism, capitalism, we all participate in it. It shows up differently especially in interracial conversations, you know, where we talk about, you know, colorism. Because lots of times we don't want to deal with the fact, we meaning black people, that we don't know why we don't like a person, like a dark-skinned person, or say, you know, saying you acting like a nigga, you know what I'm saying, but only using that when we're talking about dark-skinned people, or then, you know, you look at me and say, you acting right light-skinned, you right sabiti, you that, you this, you that. Not understanding why we say that. We're not looking at each other as human beings in any way, shape, or form. We are just looking at the color of the skin and taking somebody else's experiences and somebody else's expectations and putting them there. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense because, you know, because for one thing, both of us got on onks. Hey, hey, hey. Second of all, second of all, if we were both on a plantation, I would be in the fields, you would be in the house, but we both would have been conspiring to kill Master. Right, right. It's just, it, and the difference is, you know, if I'm in the house, I'm the one you know, that's get, getting it in a different kind of way. Because mm-hmm. 
not only do I have to sit up there and be the representation of, of, of rape, I have to take rape. And then I have to serve you food and pretend like I'm smiling, right? You know what I'm saying? Like you can be, there's a difference. You as a, a, a chocolate man on the plantation would get raped. You as a you know, would have to work extra hard days. You know, there's a difference, but we both have, you know, dealing with torture. Just cause your torture don't look like my torture don't mean we ain't both tortured. That transcends to, that transcends to what we going on what what we going through as a people today. Absolutely. Because it's real difficult. I mean, if you're on Twitter, um if you're on other social media platforms, you see colorism creep up in the conversation and some people call it out. Some people don't have the tools to be able to deal with it. Like why like for instance with our president barack obama and our vice president now kamala harris it's wonderful go with me here okay it is wonderful that we have both of them in office i am not taken away from that what do they have in common Uh, uh, they're both, uh, they're both, let's see, the both, uh, they're, they, they look like they're the same complexion, they're both educated, um, they're, they're both mixed, um, that, bing, 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 they're both mixed, they're both mixed, neither they're one of them are actually mixed with, a uh, with an African American, Obama's mixed with a Kenyan, and, uh, Colin was mixed with Jamaican, but that's neither here or there. The African diaspora goes uh, far beyond. Right, but it is a point of contention, and it is a way to shape who is acceptable and who is not, and how far the hue goes before we we don't want you to be in positions of power. And just because she went to Howard, you know, what I'm saying that helps her, but. She the right complexion. She got the right kind of hair. You understand what I'm saying? And she mixed. And she's not mixed, like you said, with African-American. They are both children of immigrants. Okay, so tell me this, tell me this. Um, you're in the conscious community like I am to some degree. Um, <laughs> Have you ever received any pushback for your um, for your support of Obama or Kamala? From some hotep Negroes, yeah. <laughs> oh, that God, you're making my sadders. Um, has the conversation been cordial or has it went ugly? It's not ugly so much as the fact is they ignorant. You know, now you're gonna get me really comfortable on this conversation and I'm gonna sound like I'm from home. They they just really ignorant. They have read, you know, like this much and with a magnifying glass and swear they know everything and they swear they know more than me. Bruh, cause you read a different book don't mean that all 15 of the books that I read and didn't write um, are wrong. 
Well, first of all, here on ADQ's Renaissance, we want you to feel extremely comfortable and at home. Um, second of all, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> second of all, um, <clears throat> yo, our friend Keisha, well, our sister Keisha, looked at me. She saw the path that I was going down, and she said, "Little bro, don't be a whole temper." Right? Uh, huh? Oh, all right, because. You know them, them crazy people that be standing on Elm Street hollering at you, you know, with the crazy get up on? Let's not call them crazy, Lavinia. That's their lifestyle, the the the, the Hebrew Israelites. Okay, so, okay, so that's the mindset that is dangerous. And I call them crazy only because when you continue to do the same thing and expect different results, that's insanity. That's crazy. I'm not calling them crazy out of, you know, as a mental state. I'm calling them crazy because they are continuing to do the same things and expecting something different. So, hotepery, hoteptry, whatever you, hotepishness. Making up words. I'm a wordsmith. Hoteptum. Hoteptum is when you decide or that, that the limited knowledge and the limited ex experience that you have defines blackness. It's limited. We are a diaspora. Mm -hmm. Africa is two and a half times the size of America. Brazil is like twice the size of the, of the United States. What you want? To say that that I'm not conscious because I choose to do X, Y, Z in the third, I ain't really black because I don't know what I'm talking about. Bruh, read more than one book. Seriously, read more than one book. See, <clears throat> see, um, my view on that. Um, I'm not a whole, I'm not a hotepa. Uh, I rock my red, black, and green and stuff. Not for that, but because it represents some form of unity between us. To me. Okay. Um. Let's see. Hey, I'm trying to match. I'm trying to match your intelligence with my with my own. I'm trying. Keyword trying. Um. I'm not a supporter of Obama or Kamala either. But I would say to you. I would say to any other Democrat, same thing I'd say to my Republican friends who are conservative and staunch Trump supporters. Um, I, I got nothing but love for you. I don't agree. Uh, I do agree with some things that they, that conservatives say and some things that progressives say. And I disagree. You know what I'm saying? I'm that guy right. I'm that guy right in the middle saying, hey, y'all both right on a couple things. Yeah, you're both tripping on some on things. Okay. But that's my, but that's my opinion. Right. Uh, my opinion is not the is not the here go uh, the hereafter the uh, go to and all that stuff. No, my opinion is what keeps me trying keeps me trying to be the best agent I possibly can be. Right. And I'm not going to take my opinion and hear your um, opinion that may that may challenge my opinion. And determine that you're a bad person based off of that. That's that's ignorance to me. That right. Right. So 
if I'm gonna talk about like Kamala and Obama, I used to be the, the, the black person who was like super excited because we had representation. Okay, I used to be that person. And this was during the administration, Obama's administration, that I sort of moved to a different plateau, so to speak. Because I didn't do what activists, black women specifically, but activists told me to do. I didn't look at the track record, okay? I didn't look at it. So I didn't look at the track record and that made me go, I'm just happy that we have this brown, this black man in office, not understanding what his degrees were in, not understanding his rise and what his policies were. And then I'm expecting him, like a lot of black people in their ignorance, to do more than what he has already done. The old saying goes, a tiger don't change their stripes. So he wasn't going to do much more than what he had already done and much more than they would allow him to do. That goes the same for Kamala. So I'm, while I'm happy about representation in places, everybody ain't your friend. Like you have to hold folks accountable for what they do, how they do it. Because if you talk to people in California, especially black folks in California, they'll let you know that Kamala ain't as black as you think she is. You know what I'm saying? She really doesn't represent us and always look out for us in the way that she's being painted over here because her track record shows different. So you have to be able to look at a person and look at the conglomerate and look at their history and go, I bet if this is the way you've been voting, if this is the way you've been going, this is the way, this is the trajectory on which you are going to go. And you ain't changing. I got friends who are Republicans, mad as hell right now. I got friends who are Republicans, mad as hell. Also, I unfriended a lot of people um, that were extremely conservative, even though they weren't my friends, because they showed me during this last election that they didn't care about me when we was in school together, so they really don't care about me now. You know what I'm saying? Like they really don't care about me. And I had overlooked their choices because I thought, well, you know, we can be friends. I can deal with this. No, you are literally voting against me. Literally voting against what is in the best interest of my life. And if I tell you this affects my life, and we supposed to be friends, you ain't my friend. And that's the way I had to look at that. Like you are comfortable in your life, in your world, and I'm not a part of that. And I had to accept that. And I have some Democrat friends who ain't exactly on par either, but, but that's all right, they still learning. And that's why, huh? No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, but that, I mean, but that was, that was really what I was saying. It's just, you know, it's, you gotta understand that people are people. It's not necessarily about the party. 
the party just aligns with their values. And if they don't value you as a human being, um, then they don't value you as a human being. No amount of hotepishness, conservatism, you know, activism, anything is going to, to make it more apparent than the fact that they, they don't value you. So, you know, the question becomes, with whom do you align yourself and why? Are your friends giving you the support that you need? Are your friends showing up for you when you need them? Who's really down for you? That circle becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. And sometimes it's far more diverse than you would like to admit. It's funny you say that because last year when I was homeless, the people who opened their homes to me as I was trying to get myself together, they weren't this, they were this. I've had many conversations with my sisters and with some of my closer friends about the fact that I have to reconcile on a daily basis my, my past experiences with my expectations. Because my past experiences have been very, 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 I've been in white spaces for a long time. So I have a lot of white friends or friends who are white, depending on who they are. Um, and then I have black friends. And then I have friends who are black. I'm looking for the show up, open your door kind of support that I get from white people. White people don't question half the stuff I do. They just be like, okay, you coming by? All right, come on. And we can sit, we can talk. I can fall asleep on the couch. You know, it's a, it's a different feeling. It's a different vibe, you know. And, and I have to reconcile that I have a comfort level there and some people are not going to be comfortable with my comfort level. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Basically, um, basically, there are people who would look, there are people who would look at you and me because I've had the same experience from the outside looking in and they're not comfortable with how comfortable you are with your white friends while knowing how down for the cause that you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, and it, you know, it is bothersome to me because don't y'all read my timeline. Don't y'all see my friends. They ain't, it, it ain't the blackest thing on the planet. Like I'm black, but my friends are diverse. Come on now. And, I, and, and, and just to point this out, I ain't mixed. I'm light-skinned. So that means, you know, for me, my daddy is light. My mama is, my mama was chocolate. Um, a little lighter than you, but she was chocolate. So I'm, I'm full black. Well, you're probably blacker than I am. <laughs> You've maintained, you are, you are, you are a mel melanated maintainer. Wow. What's that mean? You maintain your melanin longer than I have. So boom, you're blacker than I am. Oh, wow. Wow. I hope that's a good wow. Yeah, no, it is. I just, I didn't, I've never been called that, you know. So I like that. Go ahead and um, 
know, hashtag that because that's good. Melanin maintainer. That was that was good. I, I like that. Thank you. You can use that. In fact, if you feel a poem coming to uh coming to balance that out, by all means, shoot. Uh, well, um, you know, I will. Um, I ain't got no pen. Let me see. If I find something to write on, here's a pencil. Um, Pencils. Take them back to the nineties. Yeah, a whole pencil. Y'all remember those? Huh? I said, y'all remember those pencils? Right. I'm writing that down. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it won't be today because I ain't there yet. I got to cook later on. Um, it may be before, before, but before, before Kwanzaa, you know, it'll be, it'll be done. Okay. Uh, I want partial writing credit. Oh, you gonna get, I know I'm gonna tag you in it. I don't do that. I don't do that. If I get a word from somebody, um, I definitely give credit where credit is due. Thank you, but you know, I, I, I say that I think it's important that um, I think it's important that you know you know that because yeah, uh, yeah, you are very you are very fair skinned. Yes, um, you have a very diverse group of friends and stuff. That doesn't add or take away from the fact that you are black. You know what I'm saying? A lot of us get caught up in, and I've done, I did this in my in my early days of trying to be quote unquote conscious. I used to think, hey, I have to do everything black to prove this, to prove that I am a black man. Honey, when I tell you <laughs> that. Our folks, <laughs> why well, have you out here proving what how how black your black card is and snatch the motherfucker all the time? Be like, nah, you ain't no. Mm -mm, we taking it back. And then next you, year, be like, oh, you know, I forgot all about that. You can be vegan and be black. You can be do yoga and be black. Two years ago, you was clowning a motherfucker for doing that shit, and now all of a sudden, because it's in vogue and because Tabitha Brown is doing it. Some niggas was out here doing it before. You know what I'm saying? Doing it on their own, didn't? Oh, now you cool. You could come on back to the cookout. We gonna invite you up for Thanksgiving. You know what I'm saying? Just bring that casserole. You know what I'm saying? Cause we know, you know how to do that. Get out my face. You see, you see these posters, you see these posters on my wall? Yes. 90% of them are plays, are quote unquote white plays that I've been in. But you look at me, you look at me, duh, I'm black. Is Othello, that Othello, Othello is all I'm gonna say, Othello. Othello is a goal of mine. But, um, but Levine, first of all, how much longer do we have you, do we have you for? Um, you're good. Great, great. I wanna get into a couple poems of yours. Okay. For one thing, for one thing, I know what started poetry for me. What started poetry for me was I was writing rap lyrics, but I couldn't find a beat. And you know, brother RL had <laughs> heard me rapping and stuff, and my and my struggle to stay on beat, right? <laughs> and uh -huh. he and he recommended that I try poetry myself. So I'm like, oh, what is poetry other than you know? 
writing rhymes and just not rapping, just, you know, saying, uh, da, 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 I learned that. <laughs> this is a lie. <laughs> poetry is monologues. Poetry is theater. Poetry is, like, expressive as it gets. Right. Shakespeare was able to, that's why Shakespeare was able to put a whole lot of poetry in his proses. And that's why everything that came from August Wilson's mind into his pen is poetic. Oh, yeah. That August man. Wilson, that, man. that man. Yeah. Woo! That man. That's all I'm going to say. That man. Yeah. Have, you, have you seen My Rainey's Black Bottom? I haven't seen it yet. Not yet. Yeah, I, I want to see. I want to see what what they do with it because ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Okay. You know how hard it is for me to get through fences without crying. Who wouldn't? I'm like, I'm like, man. I hope I don't make my own future wife snot at the nose like that. There, gone. <laughs> but uh, if you ever, if you, if you ever, you or people who follow you or, or people who love you ever make it to my YouTube channel, which you should, and subscribe. Uh, 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 shameless plug right there. You will see a lot. What's the name of the YouTube channel? Because you didn't do that part. Adrian Dion Quarles. Okay, so that's what we need to know. Is, right, what's, you know, it ain't no shameless plug in the middle of this. You promote yourself. Oh, you know it. But once y'all, once y'all do, if you check out my place, time, uh, my play Time, which went on the stage, Battle of the Books, which was a reading, and um, um, Aprende Español, which was also a reading, you will see a lot of, you will see some August Wilson influences in my writing. Okay. August Wilson is my guy. Okay, he's, he's awesome. Now, your poem, My Service, I'm like, what, what, what was that about? Like, how how like piece those words together. My service was more than a crossroads between post divorce and a real job opportunity. It was a statement. Uh, tell me when to stop. It was a statement I had to prove to the students who mentored me. First of all, my uh, I've had students who have I've had students who have put me on game about stuff. I'm like, I'm the adult here. You're, 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 you're me. That's so funny. Hey. Right. Um, I have written about my service a couple of times. One is in my book. This is this one is not in the book. Um, poetry in plain sight. Yeah, yeah, yes. It's at Barnes and Noble. You can get it um, at Boomerang Bookshop locally, um, which is a black-owned bookstore, a, a bookmobile here in here in Greensboro. So you can get it there. Um, just you know, just shameless plug. Or boomerang, yeah, um, run by my boy, by my buddy Cricket. Um, but I really wanted to talk about why I went in, not just what I felt um, after I got out or at any other point. I want to talk about my why. That's really what the poem was about. It was you know my my logic, my reason, you know. That's what I wanted. That's what that's what I wanted to you know to do. Yeah, because you know that goes all the way back to my first question of what causes such a radical-minded individual such as yourself. Uh, is that fair that I say that you're radical-minded because you just sure. don't? Yeah. Good. 
know game recognized game. I know a <laughs> radical, so I, I know radical when I see one. Um, what would cause a radical mind person as you, such as yourself to go into the military? Because I'm pretty sure that your end time period is just like I am. Say that again. I said I'm pretty sure that you're anti-imperialist, just like I am. Yes, I am. I am anti-anti-imperialist. However, however, I am very much a person. It's hard to reconcile that my father was in the army, my uncle was in the air force. None of my father's six, six, seven kids had ever gone into the service. Um, and I wanted to do something to honor my dad also in, you know, in, in, in this pursuit, you know, like that's something I wanted to do. None of his other kids finished college. He went, that's what my parents met at Arkansas Tech and I wanted to go on to finish college. Like these are things I want to do to honor my parents, honor my mother, you know, continue traditions. Like these are things I wanted to do. Um, so yeah, I, I got I got that weight, that mantle of why I went in, what makes it significant, and the snowball effect that it has. That's that's spoken like a true black prodigal. <laughs> I mean, what's the economy of disaster? It's it's funny that you say prodigal and black prodigal because um the i think of myself as as uh um a prodigal like capital g-a-l um because I, I think of myself as is as, as living as a prodigal and and uh one of my elders that transitioned turn you know turn me on to the the story of the of the prodigal son and and, and she was like you had a prodigal daughter and you're gonna end up coming back anyway. Um, so I'm definitely radically minded uh, with trying to find ways to work within the system. I'm not so much a work outside the system kind of person because the structures support my life. Um, they just They just do. So I'm a product of the structures. So I don't, I'm not as adventurous to like be out on my own without the support of the structures, but I will work within the structure to like make a crack over here, push the door open or a little bit more over there, you know, do that kind of thing. You said, you said make it crack. I didn't hear that it part. I thought you, I thought you were gonna make crack. <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna leave that up to the professionals. Uh uh, nope. I, I don't be making rocks. Nope. I make poems. You know. The poems, this blog that you uh, sent me, The Dichotomy of Disaster. How uh -huh. did we become monsters? How did being the byproduct of colonialism turns? This is very wordy, but good wordy. Turns on ourselves. Turns. The product of the byproduct of colonialism turn us on ourselves. Yes. Didn't we just talk about that with colorism? Yes, we did. We yeah. are never human enough to consider our complexities. We only account the acceptable accomplishments 
Uh, by the way, uh, spoiler alert, I've always been the best reader in my uh, class all through school. So, you know, anyway, <clears throat> we use harm to get there. Then we really don't want to fix anything. We, uh, dang, are you in my head? We only want to be classified from and monsters are born in disaster. Colonialism, slavery made us freaking monsters. And here we are many, many generations later, still self-harming each other. Absolutely. And I was being a monster when I would throw out them corny, inappropriate, light-skinned jokes. Right. But you didn't know that you were being a monster. And that's the difference. Most people look at monsters as not familiar, as big, scary, you know, beings. People can be monsters and look amazing, look like you and I, look like they could never hurt a flea and they are monsters, they are murderers, they are monsters. And all of us have the propensity to be a monster. Right. All of us do, because we are the, pro the, 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 the generations that is born of violence. So all of us have that propensity. There is no way. Well, Some you can uh, that you are a pretty monster. <laughs> I, 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 I work on my monstrous tendencies. Like, you know, I'm not as mean as I used to be. I used to be mean. I'm not that mean. No! What? There's some people in my life. Hello, son. Okay, appreciate you. Um, there's some people in my life that will, will attest to the fact that I was real mean. Like, a pistol to work with. But I'm not that mean anymore. But don't, don't, don't. I mean, I can cuss you out in Harvey. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. But I still love you though. You know what I'm saying? What's your, what's your astrological sign? I am 100% a cancer. Oh, God! Uh, that cousin who, cousin who, a uh, little sister who, who pointed out for me, July 19th. Right, so I, my birthday is the, the only holiday in the summer that matters. It's my national holiday. June 10th? I mean, June 19th? No, no, I said national. Juneteenth is just getting national. July the 4th. Well, you know, June, Juneteenth is going to be national and known all because of our great, incredible president, Donald Trump. Ah, yes, yeah, yeah, but no. No, it's not Juneteenth. It's July the 4th, and I walk around and tell everybody that the country is celebrating me. And my girl, my cousin, and my other girl. Like, anybody, we celebrate the people going on, to like the us independent nation people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a Virgo. Um, but I was asking you because you mentioned how, you know, you can look, you, uh, you are very loving and stuff, but, you know, you will, uh, if, if need be, you will, you know, straight cut someone out in a split second. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm a very nice, and I hate to use that word because nice has, look up the definition of nice, it's not what I want to be. Um, but I can be a very accommodating person. Yeah, the definition of nice is, is, is ugly. I can be a very accommodating, loving, warm person until you fuck with me. 
And when you fuck with me, that's kind of the end of the conversation because, you know, I'm not violent per se. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a violent person. Like I really don't, I don't like to fight. You know what I'm saying? I will use my words, you know, but it, it don't mess with me. Don't, don't bother me like that. Like value me as a human being. We ain't gonna have no problems. You don't know what, you don't know what, um, you don't know what I always say to white people when they call me nice. What? You call me the N word. <laughs> I'd be like, no, no, no. I'd be like, you said I'm nice. That's an N word, ain't it? So I- nice, adjective, pleasant, agreeable, satisfactory. I, 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 I can see a little conflict uh, with your personality and that definition right there. Uh, fine or subtle. You know, uh, uh, you're, I guess you're subtle when you need to be, right? Not all the time. I mean, I'm subtle in my nuances and, you know, in, in my poems, obviously. So what led you to start? So what led you to uh, doing poetry? Like, when did, po- when did poetry come, uh, come into your life? I was mm, six, seven, eight. Yeah. I've been writing, yeah, I've been writing poetry since then. I was published at age 12, um, I think. I think it was 12. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, true. yeah, like, yeah, I've been, I've been writing. So, I used to go church to church, reciting other poems and performing them. Um, my grandmother made like props and things like this for me to, whether it was the cross in my pocket or Heaven's Grocery Store. You can look those poems up because I don't remember them, but those are the things that I was doing. So I was performing um, poetry, other people's poetry from seven, maybe eight. And the largest crowd I think I commanded was, it was well over 200 people, maybe a thousand. I don't remember. It was a lot of people in that church. You know what I'm saying? A lot, a lot. And I was like 10. Right, you know, and that was for somebody's birthday and she asked me and I was like, okay, here we go. So by the time I got to be 12 and got, you know, it was published or whatever, I was tired. I said, I'm retiring from doing this poetry thing from reciting other people's work, from reciting other people's work. I wanted to spend some time writing, you know, writing my own stuff and feeling like my voice had been heard and that's what I did. You do it very, you do it very well. Like um, when I heard some of your poems, I forgot the one. I forgot like word for word what they were. When uh, I saw when you were featured uh, at the artist block, but you said some dope stuff. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Like, like nothing undope never comes out your mouth when it comes to. <laughs> We all have undope stuff that come out of our mouths and stuff, like you know, old tempers rule or something. Like <laughs> I really appreciate that. It's interesting because when I first came on the scene here, I got pigeonholed as a particular type of poet 
by other poets on the scene because they weren't used to anyone writing the way that I do, especially as a Black woman. They were looking for a particular cadence. They were looking for particular references. Like, yeah. And they were... The type of energy I get from the type of energy I get from you, you know, in terms of being in terms of being radical and in terms of being artsy, I, I, you just seem to me like where Nikki Giovanni and uh, Angela Davis become a hybrid. I I really appreciate that because that's kind of more of my lane. And when I first, again, when I first got here, the spoken word poetry community didn't know what to do with me because I had already come with experience. I was already published. I went to college for poetry and they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, I went to college for poetry. So what you doing? Uh, no, come on now. We, we can do better. So, um, and they were looking for the crowd pleasing you know, audience grabbing poems. And I was like, I ain't never wrote those kind of poems. Um, I might one day, but you know, I write really heady stuff because I studied, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, wordplay. I'm thinking about the imagery. Like I'm really thinking about the number of words on a page. And then they were mad because my stuff is short. I was like, I ain't up here for three minutes, what you want? I, this, this ain't no slam. I don't do slam. I write poetry, poetry. So, so that is, it's still, it's still, so I've created a space um, and made a name for myself based on the fact that I was gonna be different and I was never going to be that poet. Like, you know, you know, I'm gonna be this poet, if that makes any sense. I'm not gonna be that one, I'm gonna be this one. And I'm gonna I'm be okay with who I am and what I do. So there seems to be there seems to be like a a, a, a what's a, a, dang what's the name what's the what's the world looking for? There seems to be a reoccurring thing. Um, you go into spaces that are mostly occupied by our people, and they want you to and they want you to fit in because we forget that we are not monolithic. We, again, project our own experiences and the expectations of society on each other, as opposed to letting us be ourselves, especially in spaces that we curate. Those are the safe spaces. That's where we're supposed to feel free to be able to express ourselves without judgment, you know, with accountability, which is different you know what I'm saying? But if you can't, if you don't feel comfortable going into a space full of people who really look like you, because all they gonna do is rip you to fucking shreds for sharing your, you know, for sharing your work and picking you apart, I'ma go over with the white people. Cause they made me feel good. And they might pay me on top of that. Nine times out of 10, they really are gonna pay me. I ain't got to beg for my money. I ain't got to wait for the door to make my money. White folks gonna come up with the money up front. Here you go. Appreciate you, boo. Like they vowed. Child? Child? So I say this today. Number one, 
most powerful line that I heard from uh, Fresh Prince Bel-Air was Carlton, who was the conservative, whoever, who people will view as the Uncle Tom. He went into this so-called pro-black sorority and said, being black is not what I'm trying to be, it's what I am. Right. I'm running the same race, I'm, I'm running the same race and jumping the same hurdles you are, so why are you tripping me up? Right. You know what I'm saying? Not only that, but I will say, as highly melanated and nappy head and RBG flag, not Ruth Bader, but whatever name uh, was RP, but red, black, green, all of that as I am, these poses on the wall are predominantly white plays. I did not start, I did not start, you know, teaching until I went to a white church and they said, hey, you take over, hey, you teach the kids this night. And I told him, I let him in Bible study. I was like, dang, I got, I got like this teaching thing. Um, White people has, have mostly opened doors for me in my life. That's my truth. That's not me, you know, trying to say whatever. That's just, that, that, that's my truth. And, right. And whites, white people, black people are scared of the truth. Right. I bet you Hispanic people are not scared of the truth. Well, I mean, there are there are levels to to it. I mean, you know, especially with our Latinx um, brothers and sisters, you know, depending on their culture and depending on how how much how colonialized they are and how much they value whiteness because they got their own issues um, with um, assimilation and all that other stuff. I ain't got time to get into that. But again, you've learned to navigate the system. And I had this conversation with a, a good friend of mine who talked, and he's dark like you are, who talked about the people who helped him when he was at his lowest were not black people. When he was at his lowest, the people who stopped to pick him up on the road, when you know he was walking, or the people who gave him a job, or the people who fed him were white folks. So he had a different regard for what white people did, just literally based on his experience, versus what black people do. And he has worked to unpack and delineate between his experience and turning it into saviorism, which is what black people assume we're doing when we talk about white people. Like there's always some element of saviorism. And it's like, nah, if I'm walking down the street and this person gives me $20 and this person don't look like me, I'm not thinking about that because I needed $20 to get something to eat. I'm not turning down the money you know, because of where it came from. I'm not turning down the help. I'm not going to be like, well, I'm a way for black people to help me out. Yeah, I, experience is like mine. You'll be waiting for a long day, gonna Right. And so for a lot of people, that's just it. And I and I, this isn't to discredit those who have figured out how to center black people and make the money and, and always rely on black folks. I ain't there. I don't know how to do that. 
for real, for real. I don't know how that works in somebody's life to to be able to always have, you know, to have to know that black folks are always going to absolutely show up. I don't know what that looks like. Um. So Levine, uh, uh, as we start to as we start to wrap this up, you want to know something else that me and you have in common? What? Both of us play play with our hair a lot. Uh huh. Like ever since I started growing locks and stuff, I would just you know mess with it and stuff. Yeah, this is because my hair is long. You know me when I had short hair. Like this is new. Cause I have not. I started growing my hair out five years ago. So. I'm just like, I'm going to play with it because it's here. Because this time of year, ordinarily, I'd have gone and chopped it off. This ain't it. I don't like do hair. It looks wonderful. Thank you. But this is five years. Five years. Uh, This is a year. That's pretty. I mean, that's impressive. That's really, that's really, really impressive. But then, yeah, this is, this is five years worth of growth. I've colored my hair every kind of color you can in over the last five years just to keep me keep me to growing it out. I don't see blue nowhere. I did I did an aqua blue color. I've done green. I've done pink and purple. I've I done purple there. Yeah, but I've done pink. Like you have to go back to my pictures. One half of my hair was pink. One half of my hair was purple. Like I did all that. That was my agreement to grow my hair out. So, um, ooh, so, ooh. What? I just got an idea, but, uh, we're going, but we're going to have to uh, discuss that, discuss that off air. Um, so Levine, what is the, what does the future hold for you? What next, what next poem you got coming up? What next book you got coming up? What next, um, um, what, when's the next time you going to have a healthy conversation with some hotels? Ah, you funny, you funny, you funny. Um, I don't know about a book. I'm not sure. I do know that if you have not gone to the Joy Movement page, um, go to Joy Movement. Uh, we did another collaboration, which I'm grateful for. And my poems are there. There's like they dance, and my poems are being read in the background. It's beautiful. Um, so that's very very recent i had an interview that was in the news and record on veterans day so you can go see that and find out more about my story and what led me to poetry and etc etc i am working on a few things working on some things with uptown greensboro um working on another great idea with another friend of mine that's really really up my alley like really bringing together some things and that's about it you'll get more poetry when it when it moves me i i i can't promise that you know i'm gonna have a new poem out something may inspire me and then i'll just post so make sure you go to my other page because i don't post a lot of my poetry on my page it's just easier to chronicle on the other lavinia jackson I think it's a prodigal living. I'm not sure because um, I don't remember stuff. And what else do I have going on besides this afternoon cooking? 
That's not it. You don't be forgetting stuff. Now that that has more to do with this whole menopausal being forty-eight thing. It has nothing to do with with that. Menopause affects your memory, so it ain't because I'm out there, y'all. <laughs> Yeah, like it's 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 real in these streets, cause I I really swear I'll be knowing something, and then ten minutes later I'll be like, what? Huh? How I do that? It's 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 just menopause. It'll be alright. Hmm. See, um, um, I know that you, um, I know that in addition to black uh black rights, you also uh fight for women's rights as well. So, um, what? Well, I'm going to, uh, what I usually say when a woman tells me something like that, I'm just going to keep it to myself. It's, it's all right. Um, you know, it's one of the conversations, as I said in my post, that women don't have, especially black women. And black men, you know, if y'all want to be around us, be near us, you need to listen in on parts of these conversations because you be calling, you know, y'all thinking we crazy and it ain't got nothing to do with us being crazy. Like literally it has everything to do with hormones. It has everything to do with how they affect us and there's science behind it. And so if you're in relationship with any woman, especially a black woman, it isn't, you know, it's counterproductive to dismiss, you know, and, and fall back into the tropes that she's just being a woman. No, it's not just that. We really are affected and you therefore you are affected. So if you want to be able to have a positive conversation, positive relationships, be open to these conversations. Don't just shut down and be like, it's, no. Because you never know, you might have a daughter one day. And uh, and I, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my words. You know, I do hope I have a daughter one day and I hope to have strong black women like yourself, like Keisha in her life, you know, showing her game that, showing her game that uh, her mom, her mom made fall short, showing her and that definitely, you know, came short because my experience wouldn't be, her experience won't, won't be mine. Right, absolutely, absolutely. So, Lavinia, if people wanted to hit you up for, you know, advice on if a young if a young black woman wanted to hit you up for some game you know <laughs> or if a playwright uh or if a playwright came across some of your work and said oh my god i gotta feature this into my play into my works or uh if a military person or if a young black woman who's going into the military wanted to find out how you made it through how can people contact you um there's a myriad of ways that people can contact me. I'm on Instagram under Lavinia underscore poet. I am here on Facebook. You can go to Lavinia, you can type in Lavinia Jackson, um, not with the Missy in the middle and you will see my face. And that's the page where I post a lot of things. You can also email me at lavinia.poet at gmail.com. Yeah, those are the ways people can contact me because I'm, I mean, I'm on Twitter, hop into light. Um, there's all kinds of ways. Or if you are my Facebook friend, just send me a message on Instagram. You know, I'm open to the conversations. I'm open to building relationships. I'm open to having my poems again 
and I mean again, put into production. That's y'all hear something, right? Y'all hear something, right? Right. Yeah, like it. That's that's an amazing gift to have my poems, you know, come to life in somebody else's play. Like that's beautiful to me. Like I'm like, yes, buddy, let's go with that. Well, in that case, we really need to talk. Um, and also, you know how I'm always telling you that you don't look uh, like you in your 40s and stuff? Yeah. Okay, so there are so many of y'all, there are so many of y'all 70s babies looking younger and younger and younger that I need to stop saying that. I need to start saying you have, you with your um, miraculous um, melanated richness, have redefined what it is to be into uh, what uh, what uh, what an appearance in the, your forties will look like. Well, I, I really appreciate that, and that's I another too. Because I'm yo, I'll, I'm, I'm 35. I'll be 40 in five years. You make me less scared of it. Well, and see, that's the other reason why I had have worked to stay engaged with young people, like people that are younger you know younger than me so that they can actually see what i look like because the myth is that you know you're gonna fall off the cliff at 40. um it's not really true the the some of the truths behind it is that black people have had so much trauma in their lives that it raises their blood pressure over life it makes them more prone to environmentally caused diseases that shorten their lives. So by the time we get to 40, we have worked ourselves and overworked our bodies and haven't taken care of them. So it makes you look like you haven't done the, like, you know, you're 10 or 15 years older. That's environment, that's systemic racism. If you begin now at 35 to train your body gently, or rigorously, you will extend your life because you will be able to decrease your chances for having high blood pressure, decrease your chances for having diabetes, um, any of the of high cholesterol. Those are things that, we, and heart disease, those are things that are prevalent in our community. Like all four of those are prevalent in our community, prevalent and preventable. They are preventable, but you have to know how to look at things and go, what do I need to get rid of? What in the world is stressing me out? What am I not doing? Because if I'm 48 and I'm proud to say I'm 48 and I have learned to eat better because I didn't always eat. I wasn't always vegan-esque. I wasn't always plant-based, trust and believe, but I learned to give up certain things. I, huh? Yeah, I know it is. Like I, I'm an evolution. Like I wasn't always like this, and I probably won't be like this in a couple of years. I'm gonna have some more knowledge up under my belt, be a little more cocky. But I had to get comfortable in this, and I'm getting comfortable in this body today. This body today, it will never do what it did at 20. Too much stuff that happened between me my 48 year old body and my 20 year 20 year old body like too many 
too many things have happened to it for me to go back to my 20 year old body. So I can't do that. I need to accept this 48 year old body and all the trips and changes that nature is sending me through and work with it on the things that I can work on. The other things that I cannot work on, I'm going to see the doctor about. I'm going to do some yoga about. I'm going to create practices that help me decrease my stress. Why? Because as you get older, your tolerance is lower. Right. Like in the beginning, you this will work that you, you ain't putting up with it no more. Because it, you can actually feel it in your body. And you don't want to feel like that. So I'm saying that to say, take care of yourself. It's never too late to start. Even if it's a little bit, you don't have to be like the super workout, you know, body fitness person, unless that's what you want to do. Do what you can to take care of yourself. Because black men especially have a far shorter life expectancy. Far shorter. And it has more, it, it has everything to do with systemic racism. So whatever you can do to keep yourself balanced, to extend your life, is the best thing you can do for yourself. Seriously. All right, so two more questions, then I'm gonna need you, then I'm gonna need you to give me some bars, and then I'm gonna let then I'm gonna let you go ahead and cook for your kids. Okay. Um number one, we as people, we have inherited PTSD from slavery. Yep. Yep. So Okay, so I've seen people my age who have went through trauma. They uh -huh. freak like they got a foot in the grave. Uh-huh. Again, you, you have been, you have been on this earth for almost five decades and you look like you've been on this earth for two decades. <sighs> what is the advice that you could give someone to work through their tr uh, traumatic experience because you've been through some, some trauma. First off, therapy, 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 therapy. Take your brain seriously. Your brain is one of the largest organs in the body. Do not neglect it. Do not think that it doesn't, you don't need to work on unpacking your shit because you do. The reason I can say that is because I have been in and out of therapy for like 18, 25, some, 20 some years. In and out of therapy, on and off various medications, finding methodologies that work for me, finding the support systems that work for me. I have done group, I have done individual, I have done writing, I have led groups, I, I have taken meds, I have not taken meds. All over the last, you know what I'm saying? Last 20 some years. You gotta make the investment in healing. You have got to, and it is, healing is not, you know, just crystals or just a diet change or just exercise. Healing is also getting a good therapist. You may have to go through a couple in order to get the work and to be able to unpack this stuff because PTSD is something you live with. It ain't going nowhere. It's like being black. Old folks used to say, the only thing you gotta do is stay black and die. 
everybody looking forward to see you there. <laughs> no, it's, just, it's it's the reality of the system that we live in. You know, that that's who we are. That's what we do. Second question, you said that I could ask any question that I want to. There's no there's no limit, so I'm going to ask you this. This is something that I've always wondered. Yeah. Um, once I saw you at First Friends meeting, and we had an interesting conversation about the church that I attend right now, Mercy Hill, right? Uh-huh. How conservative they are and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> while you know, I, while I like the church and stuff, it's very, I think, I think it's dope and stuff. I think that you know, uh, there's some spiritual, there's some spiritual systems that you know, I'm interested in that doesn't necessarily meet that doesn't fit the Southern Baptist dichotomy and what, okay. what I'm getting to the point where I'm like, yo, God, boom, let's rock. Um. Okay. So I gotta ask you. I gotta ask you. You don't have to tell me if you don't want to. What's your belief system? Wow. But I just always wonder. Um. All right. So. There's a lot of Christians in our conscious circle. Right. So what I'm gonna tell you um, is a basic synopsis of how. Okay, wait a minute. Hang on. I'm look. I'm looking for a um, looking for a poem while I'm talking to you. So I'm gonna tell you how I came to my my belief system and where I am now. I grew up in a black black Baptist church with white Jesus. I went to a white <laughs> right. I went to a white high school, a white Episcopalian high school. I went to a Catholic college, white Roman Catholic college. My, my roommate converted to Islam while I was there, and she black. Assalamualaikum. Right, Assalamualaikum. Islam. Um, and while I was selling books and magazines after I graduated from college, but that's a, a whole nother story. I met my first black Buddhist. Like, right. So I met I met them, and then. Um, I have attended Catholic churches, both black and white. I have been to friends meeting, which, you know, is great. I have, um, yeah, so my belief system has evolved. I have always used religion as a structure to explain what I cannot explain to my children. That's all because they provide a structure. The Roman Catholic Church provided me with the easiest structure to explain some things. Once I got a little further away and did some more research, I found out that everything that the Roman Catholic Church did was stolen from black and brown people. And I was like, oh, so, hmm. So I set it aside and, and, and came back to it. You know, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna keep doing the Jesus thing. And you know, going to church, and I went to an AME church. And the reason I picked the AME church was because of its historical context, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I found out that they won't really live enough to their history, but that's a whole another story. Um, I now 
my my belief systems are a hybrid of things i will listen to gospel because it moves my spirit okay praise lord right i i will listen to it because it moves me um and there are certain beats and rhythms that we have brought we brought over from africa that can't nobody take from me like and they resonate with me i don't believe in jesus um okay i don't i don't believe in jesus I know who I like the big guys. Come on, man. Okay, well, I'm gonna just tell you. I don't believe in Jesus. I know where what Jesus was based on. I, and for me, it don't work. I Morris. can't do that. Huh? Morris? Right. Right, right. So I, I that's where I'm at with it. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I can't, so I ain't calling you Jesus. Jesus was fictitious. And considering that Shakespeare wrote half the Bible, let's not play. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. You call it the Harry Potter book like my man Manezza called it. Right. So, so I have altars all around my house. I have like there's one behind me that you can kind of see an altar to my my own ancestors. I have altars to um Oh yeah, I have altars to, you know, other you know, other gods, you know, or deities, you know, that we should be praying to. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I say we being me and this is what we're doing in my household. I practice and I won't call them spells, um, but I do practice, you know, saging and doing all those kinds of things. Cause it's it's natural to me. My belief system is in me. Because the Bible says, greater is he, and I'll say she, that is within me than those out there. So what is within me? God? Okay, so if God is within me, that makes me a what? Goddess. So, you know. Only a goddess. Right, so, you know, and, and, and most major religions, most major religions birth humanity, birth it. It comes from some sort of vessels. What other entity gives birth other than women? So God is a woman. God is a black woman, if I want to be specific. So, so my belief system is that I can, when I am right in my practices, when I have done, when I'm doing the work and when I am in alignment with, with the work that I am called to do, I can get the messages from the ancestors. I can move the way that I'm supposed to move because I'm protected by, you know, the Orisha that I am good to go because God got me. You know, not Jesus. God got me. You know, because, you know what I'm saying? Despite all of it, God got me. My life has reason and purpose. 
you know, I wouldn't have been given the name. I, you know what I'm saying? Like all these things that happened to me, like they're in alignment. So am I saying that I have a destiny? Absolutely. Am I saying that I participate in it? Absolutely. Am I saying that it could change? Sure, if I do some dumb stuff, but I'm gonna end up still on the right path. The path that I'm called to do. The, the path that Adrian Dion Q quarrels, it's called to do is his path. You can fight it and be a prodigal, but you still gonna end up fulfilling whatever it is that you are supposed to do. You are still, it doesn't matter because no two human beings, even identical twins are not the same and they do not have the same callings on their lives. So however you navigate, whatever you practice, is for you my belief system validates everything about who i am everything i don't have things around me in my house in my space that invalidate any part of me because why i don't want people in my house that suck my energy that invalidate that violate that are violent that don't love I don't want you in my house. Get out. I'll tell anybody in the heartbeat, welcome to my queendom. This is me in my house. You know, as for me in my house, we shall serve. The Lord. Right. As for me in my house, we shall we shall create the practices that serve us. So, um, so there are staunch. All right, there are staunch, staunch, whatever. My Shelby came out. There are staunch uh, Christians who would, you know, look at, who would listen to all that. Like, Satan! What the body got? Excuse me. That's why you choking, because it ain't Satan. Um, <laughs> no. Um, I, uh, but for those people, for those people, and I have staunch Christians, you know, in my family, and I have had staunch Christians who didn't understand my journey. One, I ain't mad at you if that's where you are in your journey. I'm not here to pass judgment. You the one that's passing judgment. You the one that ain't in alignment. You the one that ain't in alignment with the Bible nor Jesus. Do some reading, okay? But I'm not here to judge you. I'm just here to say that if you tell me my practices are not biblical, I will show you examples of very same practices that they use in the Bible that we use in the world. Ain't no different. They burn incense in the Bible. They, you know, they use astrology and astronomy in the Bible. What was they doing? What was they doing, we three kings, but following a star? Come on now! Spoiler alert, all major religions are rooted uh, come from African spirituality. Right, right, right. So they all have elements of, of, of naturalism. They all, all have elements because human beings want to explain what we do not understand. Nothing is that be. Right. And so we have created systems, some that make sense, some that do not, to explain what is naturally occurring. So I 
just say this. I just say this. During during the different biblical times, uh, during biblical times, from what I've been told, I've been told that the letter J didn't really exist. So, um, good possible that this white savior that that we grew up praising was originated by the name of the slave ship. Right. Second of all, but, 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 when we get to the root of who he is, Yeshua, uh-huh. God in human form, right? Huh? Um, sound like a dope individual who I like to, who I like to pattern myself after. Pattern myself after. I know you got to pull up in there somewhere. Anyway, um, my Christianity is I like to still follow all his teachings and everything. Okay. No person. Right. But uh, the thought of me looking at someone who practices another faith and stuff and saying, "Ooh, your faith is poopy. You need, you need to think like me or else you're going to hell. Uh, that's bad. Right. So, I, I, again, when you don't know, when you know better, you do better. I burned some sage up in, up in here. I, I, I rock the sage. Right. But when you know better, you do better. John That's not what I'm saying. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures is John chapter 10, verse 34, where Jesus says, uh, in, hold on, this is NLT version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shakespeare, Harry Potter, the holiday crap. <laughs> um, Jesus replied, it, it, it is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are gods. Right. We're all leaders of our people. Right. Right. I already knew what's in the book. But um as Levine, but Levine, as you find your poem. I found it. Found it? Yep. Before we get into your poem, anyone was watching this, anyone of your people watching this, you too. Find my name. Adrian Down Quarles. Watch my plays. Apprende Espanol. Time. Battle of Books. Among other stuff. Subscribe. I'm trying to hit a thousand subscribers. Awesome. Also, also, anyone wants to contact me, my email is adq4price at gmail.com. Yeah, I still believe that he existed. There's lots of reading and praying I need to do. Um, let's see. I'm on Instagram, DiChocolateGuy85, Twitter, AvenueADQ underscore 85. And you know, Facebook, you know, I mean, you see my name, I'm sure y'all can read. Uh, Lavinia. Yep. Just let you know, I love you. Love you back. You are, um, for all that you do, all that you bring to the table, your leadership, how you just completely stuck your hand in my face and really cussed me out when I was making all the light skin jokes. <laughs> um, for your beautiful words and stuff, for your story, um, you are a very much needed, um, love, um, and necessary member of the Renaissance. Our people are better because of you. Ashe, Ashe, oh, I thank you. Um, I, thank you. I, say, I know this stuff, yo. So most, uh, a lot of Christians are like, ba 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 ba. Ooh, Satan, Satan. I'm like, no, no. We, what we call witchcraft 
are African customs that we do not, that we have not taken the time to learn about. Right. My mother said that ox are witchcraft. No, number one. Child, please. Do it. I said, child, please. But I'm gonna have to wrap. I really am gonna have to wrap this up. Yes. Uh, right. So I, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read this poem. Um, I'm going to suggest that as we go into Thanksgiving and the holiday season, the people invest in their own knowledge. Okay, whatever that looks like, don't be afraid to read multiple things. Don't be afraid to meditate on it. Don't be afraid to listen to that small spirit that is the God within you. And you will get the answers for you. You don't need to look outside yourself for the answers. You look outside yourself for the confirmation. All right. Go ahead. This, um, this poem is about five years old. Imagine life without the possibility of poetry. In the lackluster existence we stroll, carriages left empty in the park, briefcases exhaling a swirl of work, papers painting the sky, and we watch. Comfortably disengaged, our eyes rest on the piercing shades of gray, faded mortar and concrete, buttressing bystanders, still waxing the windows on the train that brought them here. They too are looking for words. <laughs> Selected syllables, swinging like gardenia's sweetness, desperate for the air to swell with childhood smiles, blades of softness and moments of beauty. And pull out both hands. Thank you so much, Levine. Yo, we gotta have you back. We we gotta have you back some someday. Sure. Just let me know when. Um, like I said, I'm I'm pretty flexible, so we'll schedule something else, and um, we'll go from there. Have a wonderful holiday. Stay grateful. Stay creative. Keep working and walking in your work. Back to your hallelujah. Bye, Levine. Thank you. Again. Bye. You're welcome. And that's my people. Has been an episode of ADQ's Renaissance. Look, uh, I'm getting my muscles back. But anyway, for all of you who celebrate Thanksgiving, have a happy Thanksgiving. And peace. Ashe. Assalamu alaikum. Amen. A's all, A words all over. And I, I'm an A word. I'm ADQ. And I'm out. Oh, yeah. By the way, by the way, by the way. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I'm working on something big. Look out for it. Peace.
your boy ADQ, my little bro, yo. Yo, it's obvious that a lot of us gotten stuck in a rotten rut ever since they gotten us. We looking for a bottle of but you know that's not enough. You got knowledge of yourself, yo, it's not that rough. I seen this demonstrator, miseducated since enslavement. You wonder why we crazy, got that PTSD. Black on is a blessing, keep your black excellence. My melanin is so wealthy, yo, sun fat, carbonated, wear it as a fragrance. Love my coils, open, make me look Jamaican. Maybe like the Marlies, Kamala, no, not her, with that fakeness. All your enemies is the only way to make it. I'm giving my kids little turns to get rid of the innocence of media. Wikipedia lies is what they feed ya. That's why I know we supposed to hate, dude. But he's on point when he call it fake dudes. Gotta shake loose. The chains move off your body. Now they wear it as a hobby in the lobby. You can either agree with me or mock me. I'm a teacher, so I hope you copy. Check me, don't disrespect me. Suddenly correct me, but don't disrespect me. Check out these gems. It'll give you in shape like you in the gym. Have you fly like you in 